He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. We're two guys talking sports movies. Glad to have you with us for another edition of the podcast. We've got a unique one today, which, of course, if you've already downloaded this podcast and you've begun to listen and looked at the title, you can probably figure it out. You can figure it out. It's our top five favorite baseball movies. We did a top, was it top 10 football movies list we did yeah. back before football started? We'll and go a little bit shorter with this one. As I said, we didn't really get into much there because we were just trying to get through our list. <laughs> I don't, I, I was a little hesitant about doing another list. <laughs> I don't know how the lists in general have gone. What do you think? Well, we've only done one, so it's kind of hard. We've done some others because remember we did the, the 30 for 30 list? Yeah, that wasn't a list necessarily. Yeah. But we By did- the way, I have an idea for next week. It's not necessarily a list, but it's a little not movie single movie specific. I'll, I'll I'll get to that when we're done with this. We didn't do a list of our favorite hockey movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's Cuz we're not fan, Canadian. Bobby. Got yes, it. Yes, that's right. right. No. That's right. We don't live in Alaska or Canada. Okay, so <laughs> a couple things that we've kind of added to this or at least one anyway. I thought that would be interesting since these are our favorites, that means that in general there's gonna there's there's a reason we like it. The characters probably have something to do with it, if not the storyline. So which character do you either most identify with or would you wanna be from your favorite movies? Did you like this when I came up with this idea? I don't know. Not not particularly. <laughs> you weren't a big fan of it, huh? No, but I can play along, but All um, right. See, I, I, see, I th- for some it's easier exactly. than others, and you sort of, you know, you have to think about yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, a little bit. But I mean, isn't that ultimately what draws you to a character in a movie? Things that maybe you're similar with that character with, or dissimilar even. I guess that's probably true. Sometimes you like in you 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 see something in somebody else that is not maybe present in you, but you're like, man, I wish I could be which like is- that. Any baseball movie because I suck at baseball. <laughs> yeah, well, so there's, there's that the skill right <laughs> so right off the bat. Yeah. Um, also, we can kind of drop in any favorite lines or scenes if you want throughout. What made it tough for me to about the character thing, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but some of these movies I pick just based on the stories or if they were true to life. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoyed about them. Okay, and that's fine. It can be for whatever reason you want. Is it fine? It is. I'm glad I have your blessing. <laughs> We're going to start there, huh? We're just going to go salty right off the bat. Ah, you seem grumpy, so I'll match you. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> the corona, we survived it. Yeah, I know, right? Let's start with this. Any honorable mentions? Because my five, we gave each other our lists of the top five, and then I realized yesterday as I was going back and kind of putting together some notes on each that I made a mistake. I, <laughs> I didn't have one of my five in the top five, so I had to – Kind of change it. So I'll just say my honorable mention is 61 asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the story of the Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle home run chase, which also happened to be in 1961 when Maris hit the 61 home runs. He's played by Barry Pepper. I thought he was played very well by Barry Pepper. Thomas Jane plays Mickey Mantle, and it was directed by Billy Crystal, who lived it and a lot of... Big what baseball happened fan. in 61. Yeah, big baseball fan, big, big Yankees fan. A lot of, of the recollection uh, in that movie is Billy Crystal's memory from watching it as he was growing up. See, and I've never seen that one. But in oh. it, do they touch on the fact that it took him more games than it took Babe Ruth to get to 60? That's the reason for the asterisk, and there was some stuff, yeah, that was uh, 
erroneously attributed to the baseball manager at that time, that he's a baseball commissioner at that time, that he said the asterisk needed to be there. He never actually said that, and so just some of that kind of stuff. But I, I just thought it was a really good, really good look at that chase because I think that especially if you're not from that generation, or even if you were from that generation, you sort of lose. Mickey Mantle was the really popular guy. Maris was not the popular guy. He hadn't been with New York for that long. He came over from the Kansas City Athletics, so he didn't have near the popularity that Mickey Mantle had. And a lot of people, Yankees fans included, didn't want him to break that record because it was a sacred, it was Babe Ruth's record. A and Yankee then, record. Yeah, Yankee record, and then you throw in the fact what you're talking about, the the fact that that the uh, the schedule, the, the the amount of games was different, so there was just a lot of that kind of stuff, and it did a great job of chronicling that, as well as some of the issues that Mickey Mantle had with the going out and the drinking and the injury and, and everything else that he had. So I, I thought it was a good movie, and reluctant Roger Maris played well by Barry Pepper. Good what job. was Mickey Mantle's injury? A knee injury that he had from several years earlier when he was playing in the outfield. There was like a a sprinkler head or a drain or something <laughs> that he he injured his knee uh. in the outfield and it's I think it's one of those injuries that had it been in present day it probably wouldn't have been as big an issue because you just fix it have the surgery it'd be done the next year you're okay but but back then in the 50s when it half happened not near the the medical advancements that we have right now and what number did he end up with Oh, come on. You're pressing me, man. I can't I thought remember. it was like 55. It was in the 50s. Yeah, but he didn't get to play the entire season because of the injury. See, for me, that always when I hear home run race, I always think of the Maguire versus Sosa one mm-hmm. that captivated a lot and of they, people in the 90s. They bring that back toward the end because oh. Maris's family was actually at the game when Maguire ended up breaking the record. So there was a connection there and everything. And so they, yeah, so they, they kind of jumped to that toward the end. And this movie was made in two, 61 was made in 2001 when <laughs> we thought more of that historic home run chase between McGuire and Sosa. Right. No, it doesn't tarnish it because there's a lot of people that became baseball fans throughout that summer of 98. Mm-hmm. Me included. Like, I liked baseball, but watching that every day to see highlights if they would hit a home yeah. run. Brought a lot of people back, but then it's been tarnished, of course. Even more. Because yep, exactly. then the bonds, too. Yeah. 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 No kidding. All right, so our top five. Do you want to lead it off? Well, I was going to do my honorable mentions, but that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Your honorable mention. Do you have any honorable mentions you want to get to? Not really. Let's go to our top five. <laughs> <laughs> I put the uh, Battered Bastards of Baseball, the Netflix documentary. Okay. I know we don't really do documentaries. I'll let you keep that in here. And that's why I put it on the yeah. honorable mention and not in the list. But I think it's a really cool look at minor league baseball and the last independent team to ever play. Yeah, I've seen it as well. We talked about it. Before And it's interesting because I went back and of the movies that I knew we were going to be discussing, some of them were in podcasts that we did earlier. And so I went back and listened to them. And one of them, Bull Durham, is going to be in this list. You had said in your research that Kurt Russell was considered for the Crash Davis role. And mm-hmm. I didn't. And at the time, it seemed kind of odd, but that was before I had seen that Battered Bastards of Baseball. And it turned out that Kurt Russell helped write Bull Durham, which I think you mentioned in that. But he played minor league baseball in the 1970s. And his dad, as that Battered Bastards of Baseball, this is where you find it out. It's all about that team 
an independent league team that his dad owned. So it made perfect sense that Kurt Russell contributed to Bull Durham. Obviously. And it's kind of shocking that that was a really good documentary, that mm-hmm. they haven't made it into some sort of a movie. Yeah. I think the story's there. I would, I would think that, again, I, I said this at the time, you've got Kurt Russell, he could play his dad, Bing Russell. Which is neat. Yeah, you've got Wyatt Russell, Kurt, and Goldie Hawn's son, who's in his early 30s. He's still young enough that he could potentially play his dad in the movie, who right. I think played like second base I or say something. Second baseman, like yeah. That. Yeah, I think that would be great. Like, get those guys involved and go make that thing. Put a crew together and yeah. the story writes itself. Yep. And they already did this with Ford versus Ferrari. There's a documentary on Netflix about that real process. Oh, yeah. And then they made it into a movie. So, mm-hmm. I mean. Why not? Money to be made. That's exactly right. Any other honorable mentions that you have? This is kind of a bad one, but <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. And I, I know we disagree on this one, but Trouble with the Curve. Okay. The, I like a, I like all the baseball movies that have stuff to do with the minor leagues, and they're scouting in this one, and mm-hmm. Amy Adams is good in it, and Justin Timberlake is really good in it. Definitely a relationship movie, right. as much as baseball, right? Right. Clint Eastwood, Amy Adams. I was going to gloss over Clint Eastwood. The other two were really good in it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's that's one that I think I've seen once. Haven't yeah. seen it since then. And that's what, maybe a good 15 years ago at this point, something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of good baseball movies, I think. Oh, absolutely. You, there's there's a lot that aren't on this list. Like The Rookie. I'll throw that out yeah. there. Neither one of us have The Rookie The uh, with, with Dennis. Was it Dennis Quaid? Quaid. Yeah, Dennis yeah. Quaid, who plays the guy who he had played some professional baseball, had an elbow injury. Now he's, he's uh, coaching in uh, high school, and he goes out, and all of a sudden one day he pops the radar gun in, like, high 90s, and his kids convince him to go try out, and he ends up – Making it up to the big leagues with the Texas Rangers. That was a really good one. At the age of like 35 or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, the thing that's different about baseball movies and a lot of others, too, is that the genre has a lot of children's movies. Like um, Sandlot's one, Little Big Leagues one, Rookie of the Year is one. Mm -hmm. I guess Bad News Bears isn't a kid's movie. Yeah, it's funny how you wanted to sort of categorize that as a kid's movie, but we said it's a little deceptive. Oh, it's definitely not a kid's movie. It's Little League Baseball, but it's not a kid's movie at all. Right. So, I don't know. Baseball just seems to have a lot of different types of movies. Yeah. But. All right. So, I'll just go ahead and lead off. I've got Moneyball at number five. And I toyed with – It's for me, it's always hard. It's like I definitely know these are my top five, exactly what position they occupy, I think, is hard sometimes. And, of course, the, the synopsis, Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean is handicapped with the lowest salary constraint in baseball because of – the market size of Oakland, if he wants to win the World Series, he's got to find a competitive advantage. And so he turns to statistical data to analyze and place values on the players that he picks for the team, looking for market inequities and how you go about building a baseball team. And, it's, of course, it was based on the book by the same name, Moneyball. What's What was hard about this, and I guess Moneyball, and this is a, a – We'll do a full-length podcast about Moneyball. Oh, absolutely. But originally, the project started out as a documentary where, like, they were sitting players down who were involved and doing interviews and all this stuff, and it just apparently never went anywhere. So they scrapped it, wrote a script. They got Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill Hill. involved. Brad Pitt was nominated for an Academy Award. It's hard to do a full-length feature movie like this, though, about what's essentially a thought, really. Sure, or, an idea. Know, yeah, yeah, an idea, exactly. And I think the biggest beef most people have with this 
is it fails to mention the fact that the A's had pitchers like Tim Hudson, Barry Zito, <laughs> Mark Mulder on the staff. That you know, well, that was a big part of their winning. Okay, okay. It's a given that in any level of baseball, if you're going to be really good, if you're going to succeed, you've three, got to have the pitching. Yeah, three pitchers right. like that. Yeah. I don't think it would have served the movie to bring that into it because, because as you said, it, this was about a thought and essentially what became a revolu- revolution in baseball. I think the story would have just gotten convoluted had they tried to work that stuff in there. I don't think it did any any good. The, the, the overall idea behind this movie was the analytics drive. And, of course, Billy Bean at that point was considered kind of a heretic. He was going yeah. against the grain. But now, 19 years later, because this was all set in 2001, 19 years later, all of baseball thinks this way. Right. Except for the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I agree. But the, even those pitchers, they were kind of homegrown, weren't they? They didn't come in from well, other— yeah, and that's the thing, so, too. They were all on their first contracts. They were all 25 and under. They're like 23, 23, 25, I think. So it's not like they went out and spent big money on them. They were guys they drafted, developed. Yeah, right. It's not exactly like they brought right. in Andy Pettit or something. Those right. are guys that they still had in their own system. Right. And what year did that movie come out? It came out in— I've got it. It's like oh six, two thousand eleven. Wow, way later yeah. than I thought. Yeah. See, part of that movie again, the appeal to me is that it's so recent. Like that's still, and it's baseball still going through this change of the sabermetrics and analytics, and uh, that they have all these new stats that have come out of this kind of thought or idea that like teams have based their whole roster around. Michael Lewis is the guy who wrote the book Moneyball, and I actually got to meet him a couple years after it came out when I was doing play-by-play for Notre Dame because one of uh, one of Notre Dame's arguably – I was Notre Dame baseball play-by-play guy and arguably the greatest player in Notre Dame history was drafted by the A's in that draft, and he's mentioned in the book. There are a couple who are mentioned in the book. Brian Stavisky is one. The other is Steve Stanley, who is Notre Dame center fielder. He's the one considered arguably the best player in program history, but he's mentioned – in the book, and Michael Lewis at the time, it was when Notre Dame was playing down in Mesa, Arizona at the Cubs Spring Training Complex. Steve was down there. Michael Lewis was there. He was working on another project. He was actually kind of trying to follow Steve Stanley, but it, it didn't, didn't quite, quite work, work out. out. <laughs> yeah, where he got Steve kind of plateaued at AAA. He could have kind of tried to, you know, sort of battle around a little bit longer but, and that kind of thing, but he had already been married, had a kid, and, you know, that's what happens in professional baseball. You've sort of got to make that decision how long you're going to do it. But uh, just an interesting topic, and and a lot of people, a lot of people, that when the book came out, they were anti-Billy Bean people because they thought that this was Billy Bean bragging about himself, but it was never that. It was Michael Lewis was embedded in just following Billy Bean and the A's and this is what he saw in, in in the course of that sort of embedment, what Billy Bean was doing. Yeah, and how can you say that's a Billy Bean movie? And even if he was just self-promoting, look where baseball is now because of this kind of thought. Yeah. Again, you know, and there, there are a lot of those different scenes. And one of my favorite scenes in there is when they're in the office and Billy Bean is working the trades and Jonah Hill's in there and Brad Pitt, the Bean character, says, look – do you believe in this thing or not? Because you're sitting here like you're worried about all these. Now, some of it was fictionalized, but again, it's the general idea of what was going on. Do you believe in this thing or not? 
get behind it. If if you believe in it, I'm the one who's taking all the risk here. You're you're you know you're you're, right. you're the assistant GM. You're sitting over there. I'll go out on a limb, and obviously, it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, who was the guy they traded early in the season that was kind of a star? Um, Cruz, the first baseman. He yeah. wasn't a star at that point, but he was the. I think it, it was that scene as well where they're where they're trading. Uh, I think it was Cruz. I can't. Whatever. Pena. 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 It was Pena. Yeah. yeah. He ended up. I think they traded him to Detroit, and he ended up a few years later being with Tampa Bay and that kind of. Yeah, it was Carlos Pena. But yeah, that I like that scene where that they're showing that they're not going to tolerate. Right. You know, if you aren't the guy that they want to play that spot, which right. is true. And then the you know the confrontation with the scout as well because that's a big part of this as well. And like right for all this stuff with the Houston Astros, they don't have physical scouts anymore because they are going solely on data and they get video of these players when they're scouting them and stuff like that. They don't have physical scouts that they send out anymore. And that that scene where the scout is going, base everyone else in baseball thinks like I do. You and Google Boy are going to get thrown off the bus or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, but it, uh, again, it turned out Google Boy was right. And of course, Jonah Hill played Peter Brand in the movie, but it's actually based on Peter De Podesta who is uh, a baseball executive, but De Podesta didn't want his name attached to the movie, even though it was his. Billy Bean didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> so, your any of your thoughts on Moneyball? Well, I've been giving them as we go here. I have that number two on my list, by the way. Right. I'm not trying to go out of order, but no, that's fine. I we're mean, duplicating. So we're, yeah, we're working through. That's fine. Um, but I just that movie just so much has changed in baseball because of it, and it's fascinating to see where it starts. And it's one of those, like the Red Sox winning the World Series the first time. That's a story that could be made into a movie. Just plug characters in. The story's so good. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where this was because they were a struggling team all year. Then that's the year they won the 20 games in a row. Right. Made the playoffs. Yeah, and again, that 20-game win streak. Yep. Again, if you want to pick nits, not everything happened like what happened in mm-hmm. the movie. but The general ideas, the, 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 the concept. Yeah, the, the bigger concept is the idea of the movie. You have to be able to – you know, and of course, Art Howe didn't think he was portrayed well – in it, and, uh. you know, this goes back to again some of the stuff that's based on true stories. The closer you are, the more chance you're going to object to right. some things. There's always going to be some liberties taken by Hollywood. So, all right, what would be your number well, five? Speaking of these stories, number five, I think, is another great story from baseball, real baseball uh, lore, is the Jackie Robinson story. So mm-hmm. I go with the movie Forty Two. Okay, um, that story is incredible. The way that they depict it is, from what I read, pretty close to true. A lot of it. And I thought that was neat to see, you know, it's hard to imagine those times for me because it's so far in the past at this point. Yeah. But him coming in to the Jackie Robinson, breaking into the pros, becoming the first black baseball player. It's one of those movies that I think needed to be made for a long time. Just just some of the stuff, the the jarring racial stuff that just hits you in the face that maybe you just don't, things that we take for granted today. Right. That just the fact that you go on the road, the team pulls up to a hotel, and the black guy can't sleep in the hotel. Or and he's moving houses because if they catch him, they're trying to right. murder him right, or injure him or exactly. whatever. And then you've got the guy on the field. The, uh, the guy who played the pirate in dodgeball is the manager of the Phillies. Oh, is that who that and, is? And he's out there, yeah, and he's out there mocking him on the field using the N-word repeatedly. You know, just just stuff like that, and that was all based on true stuff. And was it? I haven't watched it in a while. Pee Wee Reese. Pee Wee Reese, played by exactly. Lucas Black, who's who been was in, the quarterback and Mike Winchell 
Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Yep. And then um, Chadwick Boseman played Jackie Robinson, who he's right. gone on to win Academy Awards. Has he? Black Panther. Oh, is that him? Yeah. Okay. So that cast is kind of... I didn't do a ton of research on this. I like this movie. I'll tell you that my wife liked it a whole lot more than I did. Because I Well, that makes sense. It's a baseball movie for sure, but the story is right. more social issues than baseball. Right. But there was a scene, I saw it in theaters, and there's a scene where you're the batter and they throw a curveball. And just the way it's set up, they th- you think he's going to get hit in the face, and the ball comes right at him and then like dovetails down. Yeah. And that was a really cool scene to see. In theater. Yeah, for sure. John C. McGinley played Red Barber, yeah. famous broadcaster. And uh, who was the owner of the Dodgers? Oh, uh, Harrison Ford was Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey, yeah. Yep. So then a lot of good cast, and I like the yeah. way they, they played him up and how he got Jackie Robinson even on the team. I liked it as well. I think I would put it somewhere in my top ten, I would guess. But Like I say, it's – I, uh, that's why it's number five and not higher because it's not necessarily technically a baseball specific movie. Yeah, like all these, it's it's a social issue movie that they use baseball. So my number four is the Bad News Bears, and we just did this, and I'm trying not to a kids out, movie, not a kids movie, not even close. Part of me goes, okay, you just did this, so is this recency bias? Are you just moving it up? Because I've always considered it one of my favorites, but. I think what really struck me, a, a couple of different things, I think it is kind of underrated, as we talked about, especially when we did the Kicking and Screaming podcast, the development of the characters of the kids and things that you can see in the kids. Throw out some of the, the non-PC language right. and stuff like that, but things that you could actually see the kids saying and talking about. And again, going back to how they develop those characters and the relationships that they have with with each other and the adults as well. See, I we, I hadn't watched that movie. Or don't remember watching it. And then we watch it for our podcast. And now a few weeks later, I'm even thinking of it fondly now, more so that I'd watch it again or yeah. enjoy it. And also, and if you didn't have it on your list, I probably would have added it. Okay. It's that good. Yeah, you did it. You you nah. sort of customized your list to get more movies in what we're going to talk about here. It seemed like. Yeah, there's one movie you have on your list that I probably should have included anyway. But okay. Yeah, but it's also the 1970s, and again, upon rewatching and thinking about it, the relationship, the the butter, the buttermaker Amanda relationship, because we're seeing that product of kids of divorce, which is becoming a bigger thing in the 1970s. More where, common, yeah. Where like 50s, it, it barely happened. 60s, maybe a little bit more, but it's becoming a lot more common in the 1970s, and and just that relationship that they have, which was very transactional, but at the same time, it I think it represents that very well. And and also we talked about this in the podcast, just sort of some of the realism with some of the baseball stuff that was yeah. going on, and like the conversation of the baseball stuff when like Buttermaker and Amanda are having the conversation about. You know, she's she's wanting to do something after the season ends, and he's going, hey, after the season ends, we do what everyone does. You know, we kiss the wife and kids, we go out hunting and fishing, and, and all that different. Come back it's, next year. Yeah, it's something that you would have heard someone who played professional baseball at some level have. But also that, that Buttermaker-Amanda relationship, and we again, we, we hit this in the podcast, Bill Lancaster was the writer of the movie, the son of Burt Lancaster, and it was based on their actual 
relationship dynamic so was, yeah so there was some of that going on there well i think that 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 relationship of buttermaker and amanda changed the whole tone of the movie without it it's almost strictly a comedy of just these ragtag kids mm-hmm. kind of like the sandlot before the sandlot right then you add that father daughter relationship or whatever the mentor relationship however you want to describe it and changes the whole mood of the movie and adds a lot of depth i think yeah character identify that, that, that i identify with we didn't really do this 42 i think was was yeah. tough because yeah. that's so different. I'll save Moneyball because I think it ties in a little bit to one of my other uh, characters that I'll have later. It's very similar why the identification. But I would just say Ahmad in this one, you know, because he idolizes Hank Aaron. And if you're that age, I just remember you want to have the batting stance of your favorite players. George Brett, Gary Carter were two of my favorites. You're wanting, you see these guys play and you're wanting to mimic what they're doing. Pretty simple, but I think all kids didn't kind of go through that. Didn't Hank Aaron have his hands crossed when he batted? Like he had the wrong hand on the bottom? Ooh, I don't know about that. I couldn't tell you that. Maybe yeah. he did it early on. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. He hit pretty good, though. Yeah. Seen Bad News Bears. I, I like the analytics guy. It was kind of money ball before yeah, money ball. that's true. That's very true. Oliver, yeah. the analytics kid yeah. in the dugout, cranking out stats. But again, that they just went and bought their best players, so <laughs> they brought in Amanda and Kelly. Yeah. So what's your number four? Number four is eight men out. Okay. I think again, another I guess I do have a lot of real life stories on here. You do. But the, um I've studied that one a lot. I I'm a White Sox fan. You're a White fan, Sox fan. So of who's course. wearing a White Sox hat right now. Yeah, and a hockey. Yeah, that's sure, right. Just for you. Detroit Red Wings. Oh, I'm surprised you know the logo. <laughs> uh, but they, the eight men out's real good. It's the story of the 1919 Black Sox when they threw the World Series mm-hmm. against Cincinnati Reds. It's kind of weird because they were so good they had to be paid to lose. Yeah, they were mad at their owner well, because of the lack of what they were getting paid and the fact that owners essentially own the players. Which it, is weird to me to see Comiskey because I obviously didn't grow up then mm-hmm. but he was kind of a dirtbag yeah and then they named the park after him and I grew up here in Comiskey <laughs> right. and thinking because he's the owner <laughs> well yeah but they uh, they had a scene where Eddie Chicot if he wins 30 games he gets this bonus and they benched him with a month to go and 29 wins yep and that's true that it happened it's funny because you said Chicot and there are like five ways that yeah. you hear that name pronounced Chicot Cicat, Cicati. Yeah. yeah. No one really knows how to say. And I say it different every name. time, anyway. Yeah. But I read the book first before I watched the movie, so that name to me is always a mystery. Mm-hmm. But really good story, and then the that movie actually had a lot of good actors in it yeah. too. John Cusack played Buck Weaver. John Mahoney, Kid Gleason, the manager. Mahoney was Frazier's dad. Did you ever watch mm-hmm. Frazier? Yep. He was Frazier's. Dad, he was also in Say Anything. He was the dad who was embezzling money from the assisted living facility. And uh, Chick Gandal was played by some guy, but he was also in Feel the Dreams. <laughs> some guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'm just trying to tie them together. Uh, Charlie Sheen, of course. Yeah. Played Hap. Didn't do anything after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, David Strathern, I think. Again, he played Seacott, Sakati, whatever. Yeah. But he was also... In a league of their own. He was kind of the go-between. He was the guy, like the tall, oh, skinny guy with the glasses. That welcomed him to the park? Right. Well, no. He was he was sort of the, I don't know if you, you would consider oh, okay. him the I PR remember. guy. Yeah, I remember the now. Yeah. The top hat. Yeah. That, you know, when they decided they were going to do away with the league, he was the one, you know, hey, they've Let's been playing. Do it. Yeah. yeah, keep keep it going and that kind of thing. Then, of course, D.B. Sweeney played Shoeless Joe. And we talked about this in the Field of Dreams podcast the difference in how 
D.B. Sweeney portrays Shoeless <laughs> Joe compared to Ray Liotta in Field of Dreams. And Shoeless Joe is such a weird, in a good way weird, but without him, does this eight men out? Eat, like It's a throw in the world series, but somehow because of Shoeless Joe, I feel like the perception is almost um, the public's for the White Sox. Not that they should have thrown the World Series, but like almost that Shoeless Joe should be forgiven. Yeah. And that's weird to me. How he, accurate is that portrayal, I think, is part of that. Because I think that it has kind of swayed some public sympathy for him. Because without him, though, does this story kind of just go away? Like, do we not hear about throwing the World Series as yeah. much? Yeah, exactly. And the thing about it is that was they weren't, obviously, I'm going a little deep in the weeds, but they weren't the only team throwing games back then. And the way that the cover got blown is because somebody caught the Cubs cheating on a game. Yeah. Then they started investigating Chicago more. Well, and the other thing is the Reds argued to their death that they won it fair and square, you know, that, that they were being smeared by this whole thing. The, you know, <laughs> the, the idea that they only won because this other team was throwing the games. That's such an intriguing conversation, isn't it? Because back then it was a best of nine. Yeah, exactly. So that means they had to win five games. Mm-hmm. So – to win five games is pretty good, even if because the players that were cheating, they only had one pitcher, or was it two? I can't remember. But if you have two starting pitchers, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But on the take, I mean. Sakati was one, right. for sure. And I can't remember if there was another one or not. But they he was always the one who was leaned on because he was their ace. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's your number four. My number four was the Bad News Bears. My number three is Major League. From 1989, where where do you put this? Like, is it close? Would you would you put it just outside your top five? Would you put it in your top ten? As we prepare for baseball season, and I will be doing this movie soon, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm like cautiously optimistic. I would actually <laughs> probably have put it in my top five and probably taken out eight men out. Okay, but I didn't. We would have had two matching ones then, and I thought maybe I'll we'll spread it out a little. Yeah. And so this one, so I, it's high. I ended up putting this one a little bit higher than I probably would have thought initially. And again, like my one and two are essentially one A and one B. My three through five, <laughs> I think you could interchange. These rankings are always always tough. Right. You know, it's like that's why I like doing these podcasts. Yeah. We can talk about our rankings instead of just saying where does this one stack up. <laughs> right. Here but they I, all are. Laid I out. just think this is a really fun movie, especially when it was made. There really wasn't anything like that, and I think you can say that about. A lot of these movies that were starting to be made that are you know showing up on this list, th- there wasn't anything like them when they were made in the 80s. Even even like the Bad News Bears, you go back to that, what had ever been made like the Bad News Bears? I think that's part of why it was so cool. Yeah, I mean, they're still making movies like Bad News Bears because they just mm-hmm. made the Bad News Bears, again, right. with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, and the story of the Cleveland Indians was perfect because they had been an inept organization for decades. They'd never won anything you know they traded rick sutcliffe to the cubs in 84 to you know to help not just to help the cubs but they traded rick sutcliffe the guy ended up winning the cy young for the cubs in 84 after that trade but i mean you know so it was like another seven or eight years before they actually got good and went to the world series against the braves got to the world series a couple times in the 90s so it was completely kind of a believable thing because you've got the story of a of a female owner who wants to relocate the team, and she's trying to ensure that the team stinks, so she's acquiring all these retreads or young players who aren't supposed to be anything. They come together. They have a great season. And isn't that almost like foreshadowing what baseball turned into? 
Because there's yeah. so many of these teams that it's don't all- want to be good. They it's- don't want to pay people because oh, of profit gosh. sharing no and kidding. whatnot. It's almost like the bad news bears of major leagues, though, when you think sure, about that, it. Sure, from that sense it is, because yeah. it's just these random group of people. Right. It always shows a team can overcome anything, right? <laughs> a team of a unit. One of my favorite scenes, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but I do like the Dennis Haysbert, who plays Serrano. <laughs> he is the uh, Allstate guy. I mean, and it's got a great cast as well. Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger. Corbin Burnson, Rene Russo, Bob Euchre, of course, Wesley Snipes. Haysbert goes on to play the president later on, about a decade or so later. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, and you're right. He's also in the uh, Allstate the Allstate commercials. But the hats for bats, <laughs> when, he is, when he is with Corbin Burnson, when uh, Corbin's got his golf clubs and, and Haysbert discovers his little – Golf club fuzzy covers <laughs> hats for bets. Hats Keep for bets. Warm. Yeah. <laughs> but I identify with Harry Doyle, the radio guy, because I mean, you know, I'm a play-by-play guy at heart, and I especially love doing baseball play play-by-play. And I don't think, you know, any guy who's done baseball play-by-play has probably used Harry Doyle's just a bit outside, yeah, right. at least once at some point, or dynamite drop in. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bob Euchre. To me, makes I so again. We'll go way up in this when we do it, but I watched Major League Two first, and that came mm-hmm. out as I was a kid, and I was like, not a kids' movie, but definitely softer than yeah. the first Major League. So when I watched the first Major League later, I was like, wow, this one's kind of uh, a little, a little bit more raunch, turning up the raunch a little. I mean, they've got the 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 naked cutout of the female owner which, <laughs> in the clubhouse, which seven year old Bobby wouldn't have gotten, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but later in life, Bobby enjoyed that scene a lot. Yeah, exactly. But through both of them in the viewing, uh, Bob Euchre made the movie for me. Oh, for sure. I think Just he, his one liners. Yeah, everything. again, you know, kind of like with with Vin Scully and for love of the game, he ties a lot of it together but yeah just the comedy that bob euchre had and i guess when he was cast the director david s ward didn't realize somehow that (laughs) bob euchre was actually a play-by-play guy because he had seen him doing mr belvedere and so he just thought he was an actor yeah wow i know but he was the of course and still is the milwaukee brewers Brewers play-by-play guy and he he also did the commercials the the uh, miller light commercials I must be in the front row. See, and I thought backwards because I see him in this movie, so I just thought he was an actor as well. And then turns out he – did he play baseball too? Was yeah. he a catcher? He was – those Miller Lite commercials were kind of centered around the fact that he was never really good. Right. But, you know, yeah. he was there. Yeah, one of those one of those guys who who didn't play a whole lot, had his cup of coffee in the big leagues, went on to be a much better broadcaster. Yeah. Than he was a baseball player. What a life, though. Then I know. Go, and then being Mr. Belvedere. I mean, yeah, to go from that to being cast in a sitcom on TV and and essentially has become iconic in the role as Harry Doyle in the Major League <laughs> movies. The passed out drunk announcer, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thought that's how you'd relate to him. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Your number three is what? So we're getting into a heavy Costner zone here. Okay. But any top five baseball list has to have Kevin Costner movie on it somewhere, right? Right. I just picked the other one <laughs> for Love of the Game. But listening to the For Love of the Game podcast, you said you really like this movie. You I did. considered it a top five. Yep. So this is your number three, though. Yeah. Are you really steadfast with your rankings, or did you just kind of throw a bunch up there to go, ah, 
We'll have more to talk about if I come up with a different list. Little column A, little column B. Okay. <laughs> no, this one, even through watching, I think I admitted on that podcast, it goes a little slower than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I love that movie because it has a dual timeline. So I feel like you get two movies in one. You have the baseball side and the relationship side. Right. Which and, we had a lot to say <laughs> when we did the podcast. Which I guess maybe the relationship side drags a little bit and there's some parts where they could cut. But the baseball part of it, and that's why it still makes this list. When he throw every time I've watched this, when he gets the perfect game at the end of it, I get chills every single time. I said in the podcast, and I stick with it. I love the baseball stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand the relationship stuff. Again, like it's as you, I think you just kind of said, it's two different movies, really. Mm-hmm. Where because he's he's on the mound, he's going through this perfect game, Yankee Stadium. Is he going to keep playing? Are the Tigers going to trade him? That's a running storyline as well. He's he's getting close to the end of his career, and he's reflecting on things that have happened in his personal life. With, of course, Kevin Costner is the main character. Billy Chapel, Kelly Preston, is uh, <laughs> Jane, the love oh. interest. John C. Riley is his catcher, Gus. J.K. Simmons, who goes on to win an Academy Award, also insurance later. commercials. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The uh, the manager, farmers. Yep. I just. I, I thought it meandered too much, and there were there were just with with the non baseball stuff. And when that we, was my biggest that, that's my biggest peeve with it. And when we watched it, I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, I really put this movie probably too high off fond memories versus actually sitting and watching it." Yeah, is it is it more because it came out when you were still relatively young, and it's one of the first baseball movies you remember in theaters that and everything. More to do with that, yeah. probably. Okay, and um, I don't know. I still think and it's, that's fine too. There's I, always the sentimental tug for us. But as we get to the opening day around the corner, I'm like, ah, I kind of want to go back and watch that one again. <laughs> All right, so we've each got through our top three. Any characters in there you identify with? Want to be any of that kind of stuff? Sure. I like. I obviously I think Vince Scully makes that movie. It's crazy how the announcers like waxed through poetically throughout these movies yeah but i'm also going to say gus talk about contrast between the oh, two God, announcers yeah. though right harry doyle and then vince scully of course playing himself well harry doyle's a, a character no Char- i know but i know yeah but that's what the I'm drunk saying. like yeah but they're both they're both big parts of each of these movies though especially right. you know when you when you're putting them side by side doing a list like this both big parts of it but both completely different as well yeah and then gus is really good character yeah. as well yep Gus is sort of the comic relief in this movie, and also, to some extent, sort of the angel on Billy's shoulder. Like when he goes out to the mound, the conversation about when when uh, Billy looks up at the scoreboard and he just realizes, is it the eighth inning that they're yeah. in? Has anybody got on base? Not that I remember, yeah. <laughs> or not that I can recall. Yeah, and, and Gus goes into the, we don't stink right now. You just you just throw, and we'll be fine. Yeah, and he scored the run. They yeah. Won. That yep. won the game. So, okay, so that gets us to our top two. My number two is Bull Durham, and again, I had to put one. I had to put two. My my one and two are essentially one A, one B. Directed by Ron Shelton, and as we've talked about, he's also done White Men Can't Jump, Tin Cup, The Best of Times, which was a Kurt Russell and Robin Williams movie about revisiting football glory days, high school football glory days. But that connection, that I, I would guess that that's where the, the Shelton-Russell connection started, where Russell helps write parts of, the of this movie, yeah. Bull Durham. 
But I mean, this one's a comedy that takes you inside the life of a minor league baseball story, but told through a, a romantic comedy love triangle. You've got Costner's aging veteran, Crash Davis. You've got the young phenom, Nuke Lelouch, played by Tim Robbins. And then, of course, the baseball, Annie, played so well by Susan Sarandon. As we are doing this list, I wouldn't have put this one in top five. That's not fabricated for the but purpose you of also, podcast. But you also had just seen this for the first time when we did the podcast. And again, as we're talking about it, I'm like, I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. So this one probably is right near the top five for me. Yeah. Because again, it shows a look through the minor leagues of baseball. And it has that the relationship between Robbins and Costner. Mm-hmm. I would want to be Nuke Lelouch, just for the record. Well, who doesn't? I would love to be... So talented <laughs> that my dumb things, you know, with all this natural ability that all these dumb things get in my way, but still manage to trip my way upward into the big leagues I was gonna say, because of all this abounding talent, talent that I have. Yeah. You, know, you and I have never had that problem, though. No, we've always failed downwards, haven't we? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's why we're here together. That's right. I, you know, I can say that from a career standpoint, and I can say this 30 years later, that there are some things I identify with the Crash Davis character that I never would have really thought until I started thinking about it. Because it's, you know, I, my own career has kind of had some ups and downs, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you still get to go do what you love. And, you, you know, the, like the scene Crash is like, well, what do I get out of it? Well, you get to still go to the ballpark. Yeah, you right, know? every day. Beats working at Sears, Crash. Crash, <laughs> Sears sucks. <Yeah. laughs> and I think we can all identify that's aged with well. Sears sucks. Yeah, yeah a, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's in just the way they show them on the bus and everything. No offense to Sears people, by the way. No, but if you're going to buy your underwear, you buy your underwear from Kmart. That's right. <laughs> or Walmart, wherever Little it Rain Man reference. Yeah. Um, but I like them on the bus. I like the way they're traveling. I about that. Good one. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Went over your head. I did decide, by the way, and I, I not decide, but I started thinking about this after we had the uh, conversation about Goodwill hunting. Okay. You know, we did Christmas Vacation, right? Not a sports movie. Uh, yeah, know, I mean, I there's some elements of sports. We need to we 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 need to make a sidestep and do Goodwill hunting. Because there's at least a sports reference in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, is that was that your idea that you were teasing at the beginning of this podcast? No. So you still have another idea. I still have another idea. Wow, you're full of ideas this week. I know. All right. Anything else? Uh, I would want to be Nick Lelouch as well. You would want to be Nick. Oh yeah, for sure. I think my favorite scene again is the mound visit where the pitching coach Robert <laughs> Wool goes out. Candlesticks make a nice, nice gift. You can find out where she's registered. Maybe get a nice place setting. Maybe a Civil War. Pattern. Yeah. Okay, let's get to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie had a lot more comedy. I'm sure if I had saw it later in life, it probably would have made my top five. It's well, just, you did see it later in life. Well, I meant earlier. I'm sorry, I meant earlier in life. Okay. So it might still have the opportunity to rise up my rankings as right. I become older. So what's your number two? Moneyball. Okay. We've kind of hit it. Anything you want to add? I want to be the Jonah Hill guy. You want to be Jonah Hill? Yeah. <laughs> no, like like you said, no risk, so but you're smart. the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Only if it works out, though. If it didn't work out, I don't want to be the you Jonah, don't Hill be Jonah Hill guy. Yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're still well. That's true because at that time, you might have a hard time getting a job someplace else if it doesn't work. Sure. Out. You end up maybe being the fall guy. Yep. Billy Bean's not maybe going Billy anywhere. Maybe Billy Bean was wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe Jonah Hill did have all the risk. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that takes us to number one. Unless there's anything else you want to add 
to Moneyball. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Um, my number one is Field of Dreams. More Costner. More Costner, baby. Yeah. And this was the first Costner baseball movie. He does it, of course. No, this was the second. I'm second. sorry. Bull Durham was he did first. Bull Durham first, and then for Love of the Game. Way later. Was the last one. And to me, it's just a great movie. And I know you had a hard time suspending your disbelief about all the sci-fi that's in this with the time travel and ghosts coming out of the corn. <laughs> just saying it out loud, doesn't it sound a little screwy? Well, I mean, uh, watching again, the movie's I, different. Watching the movie, right. we know that that stuff is not really going to happen. But because right. we're so connected with the characters and the theme that here's this guy trying to get back. He, he really doesn't understand what the mystery is. But he has blind faith in the mission that he's trying to accomplish. And, and again, this is, I don't even know, definitely when I was young and saw this for the first time and maybe even for the first 10 or 15 times, I didn't have that identification. But as someone who's seen it so much now and has more life experience going back and watching this, I think that like when you look at, at sort of that theme alone, with Ray Kinsella and the fact that he has to have blind faith and just take that leap without knowing what the result is going to be. I, I think that a lot of us can identify with that. And then something we talked about, or at least I can anyway, because I can tell you distinct points in my, like when I went to the army, most of my family was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But I said, so kind of like him with the farm. Yeah. And like you're plowing down your crop. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm going to get my college paid for. Right. I have a plan. It's all going to work out in the end. You know, I, you're I betting on yourself. Yeah, ex I can't sit here and tell you 100% that it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. And there were there were a couple career points where the exact same thing happened, where I made a decision to go one way when everyone is saying, "Look, that's not the safe way. Don't go the safe way because you don't know." And I just said, <laughs> you know, again, you step back and say, "Look." I can't tell you with 100% certainty that it's going to happen, but I know that it's going to work out. It's all going to be okay. But, I mean, again, you don't have that until you look back in hindsight and kind of realize that's the way things worked out. So I, I, I think that there's definitely some identification there. You know, a lot of us, I, I think most of us have some kind of, you know, relationships with parents are up and down. So <laughs> I think – a lot of us can relate to that. And then obviously his connection to his dad. The whole thing with, with Moonlight Graham that we talked about, where we don't recognize the biggest moments in our life when they're going to happen. And it, like going into the Army, I can tell you this. I, I was My friends are at college. I didn't go to, to college you know, right out of high school. So most of my friends are at college. We go on the ski trip in the spring. I'm supposed to go in to the Army. We go on the ski trip. I wrecked my knee. So, you know, it delays going in. And so not only did it delay, I ended up with a different job in the Army. I ended up being in for one more year than I was initially going to be in. All these different things. Well, again, in that moment when that happened, I didn't realize, and even five years down the line I didn't realize, but with hindsight looking back in life, like that affected a great chunk <laughs> of my life. I might not be sitting here potentially sure, your right whole now. Path. Yeah, because everything, everyone I interacted with for the next five years was completely different than it would have been. Yeah, than if that 
didn't happen. But but that's the Moonlight Graham thing. We don't realize those things in the moment. But now here's old Moonlight Doc Graham looking back. We don't realize those big moments. But then you look back and it's like, here are all these forks in the road. What would have happened had you take you know had had you either made the choice to go the other way or had something gone the other way? Right, but it's like you say, if you take the safe path every time, you're never gonna, you're always going to wonder what could have happened. Exactly. And a lot of times, not always, but you can go for that riskier path and still end up on the safe path anyway right. if the risky one doesn't work out. Yeah. That's so it's exactly worth right. taking that risk or betting on yourself like you did. That's exactly right. So you, uh, you're just Kevin Costner, basically. <laughs> Again, I wish I was Kevin Costner because that would mean a whole different set well, of things. But, but again, I think that's why the, the movie definitely resonates with me. It resonates with a lot of people. I mean, even more so the, 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 the rocky relationship that he had with his dad and the regret that he had with, you know, with, with what happened in that relationship with his dad. I think that, that all these themes that we're talking about is why it resonates with so many people. Because there's so many relationships that are shown in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that. But the James Earl Jones speech is still <laughs> probably the most memorable thing from the whole movie. Baseball, it doesn't right. necessarily have anything to do with that. It's just all the sentimentality regarding the game of baseball itself. Well, and if you want to talk about the game of baseball itself, that Feel the Dreams, we did that one as our first podcast. Mm-hmm. It's in our archives. If you want to go listen? <laughs> That's right. And. Part of why I didn't enjoy it as much is because I think it was our first one, and so I was watching it so critically and so analytically. Now I still watch them that way, but I, it's more fun. I've found a way to like enjoy the movie more than just sitting there depicting every scene, every line, right? which we've, we've found our niche a little bit better than we did back then. But <laughs> we did this 30 years ago. Yeah, our podcast now sound a lot different than that first podcast yeah put it that way yeah we pretended to like each other back then I didn't even I didn't even know the name of our podcast back then I no. kept saying two guys watching sports movies. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you did. the name that you came up with that's right <laughs> idiot um but I'm sorry continue no but so 30 years ago was when that movie came out and it's still relevant because they're playing a major league baseball game at that park this year yeah that's true the White Sox which are you know, part Sox of the movie and the, Yankees. and the Yankees. Yep. So, I mean, even that aspect of just the park of the being in the cornfield, that still resonates with people 30 years later or 31 almost now. Yeah, no doubt. Which, and it, yeah, there's still a lot of sentimentality tied there and a lot of fathers and sons make that trip, go out mm-hmm. and play that game of catch on the field. And that's going to be such a cool game to watch. I think so too. I, I mean, mean I'm really interested to see where they put the what stands the stadium and, looks like yeah. and everything. Because yeah. there can't be that many... If they're, well, they're building they're, an actual a, a, a stadium separate from the actual field that's still oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of yeah. But you have to see corn, or else it could be any stadium anywhere. What's the point? <laughs> well, I'm sure they will. I, I know it's you know next there, area, and I'm sure they're paying a lot of money to those farmers to <laughs> just like in the movie to they plow had to their corn <laughs> or for the movie they had to do that as well. Exactly. They had the only green grass in that whole county. Yeah, that's right. Uh, All right, so what is Bobby Hensley's number one baseball movie? And this is kind of a sentimental one as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would have picked me picking this movie, but I picked The Natural. I think a lot of people do you would put The Natural a lot up of, there. A lot of people my age don't know what The Natural is. That's true, because, I mean, it is older than you, mm-hmm. essentially. Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford. Robert Duvall, yep. who was just in... Kicking and screaming. Thought we were going to forget about that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Glenn Close, Kim Basinger, Wilford Brimley, really good... Really good cast. That One I of my had. favorite diabetics. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. He did all the some insurance commercial for diabetes and he always said it wrong. Diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. But he was also the Marlboro man at one point. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. But anyway, great cast. <clears throat> Sorry, great cast, great movie. It's a story of a guy who has all the talent in the world, gets on a train, gets shot, and then movie starts for me then it starts for years and then comes back the one thing that i don't like about this movie is couldn't they have cast two young actors to play the close and redford roles early and then you know right because it's so early in the movie and then show robert redford they're, they're in their 40s when they're supposed to be teenagers right well, that was a. It's a little distracting, and I and I get you're trying to you know they a, they they did some soft stuff with you know. It's a different era of Hollywood because nowadays they would have done more facial facial recognition stuff or whatever. Yeah. But I was fine with it, I guess. That so I did a lot of papers on this movie in college about really the depiction of good and evil in this movie, and how everybody that's good in this movie always is wearing white. And so everybody you, that's bad so, is always wearing black. Yeah, and the the shot where they where they're Wrigley Field and, and she's got the kind of white dress with yeah, the, white the white hat because mm-hmm. he's starting to see her, and that's when he plays better is when he's on with her. Yeah, and then uh, the owner's always in a dark room when he's trying to get rid of him and stuff, and the blinds are always down. Yeah, so there's a lot of good and evil you can depict in the movie, or not necessarily good and evil, but you know symbols of it. So I found that interesting as well. So I've watched it a lot of times. All right. So anything else? It's it's interesting. So is this kind of your go-to then with your papers? Like anytime you had to find something, you would uh, go to the natural. <laughs> yeah, I did that a lot. There was the natural. I did a, several papers on, and then um, one of my English classes, you had to pick a topic, and I picked college football. So like you know, you're persuasive. I wrote if they should have a playoff or not, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wrote all about sports. Look at me now, Michael Madsen, another uh, Tarantino guy. <sighs> Had to find a way to work Tarantino in here. He played, uh, what was that guy's name? The uh, I don't know the name. The baseball player, the, yeah. the boyfriend of Kim Basinger, who ends up dying. Yeah, I don't know his name. Okay. but Bump or something like that? Does that sound right? Yeah. Bump? Yeah, something short. Yeah. I don't remember, though. But good movie. The thing that bugs me about this movie, going back and watching it, is that the, it was cheaply made, kind of. Like you could, there's certain scenes. There's a one scene I remember in particular where they're doing the national anthem, and then you could tell it's in front of a green screen. Yeah, this one, this is one of the few that I wouldn't mind remaking, seeing remade, because I think there's more you could do with it with some of the technology and stuff like that. Like, like in '61, for example, the home runs. There was a lot of CGI used in that. Sometimes it got a little distract. Like you could tell right, the ballpark stuff was yeah. CGI because they were actually using uh, Detroit's Tiger Stadium to film it, just because it was a more old school uh, stadium and stuff like that. There was a lot of CGI, but like the home run balls when they would follow, that was all CGI. I think some of that showed up in '42 right. as well. But I think you could, I think you could dress it up a little bit, do some of that kind of stuff. Maybe you get Costner I say you to play, be the Redford you, role at this you point. You have Costner play. <laughs> Although he might be a little, little, little on the Well, it's already now. weird because in um, the first baseball movie he made was 1988, right? Mm-hmm. And he plays an Just aging catcher. Years. Yeah, that's true. And then For Love of the Game came out in 2005, 2004, and he, he's still pitching. So that one character in his real life had lived 20 more years and was still hanging around baseball. Right. 
All right. Anything else then on the uh, the top five baseball front before we wrap this one up? We had some good stuff in there. No, no. I'm excited for baseball. I know. And we're going to be doing more baseball podcasts in the near future. I, I, there's an idea that I have to bounce off you off air, off podcast regarding next week. So <laughs> we'll keep that under wraps. A potential little surprise coming okay. next week. We'll see how far that goes. I look forward to it. You usually have such good ideas. <laughs> Like starting this podcast. (laughs) See what you think. (laughs) Top five baseball movies. Two guys talking sports movies. We'll talk to you next week.